welcome back to the Snakes Cast. It's Friday, and I have Jeff with me once more. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Jeff, it's good. Uh, and we are going to be looking one more time at resource management games. Today we're going to be looking at games that do resource management a little differently, and we were just having a chat about what we'd like to talk about for this episode, and I would like to start in this one with Bonanza. Which is a weird choice, and I'd love to hear more. Well, here's my logic with Bonanza. Uh, Bonanza, for those of you who've never played it, is a bean trading game, and you are literally playing different Mm. kinds of beans and planting bean fields and then tearing them up and turning them into money. With some tremendous art With some tremendous art. And the great thing with this is that the larger your bean field is when you rip it up, the more it's worth. So it's one of these things where, you know, one card is worth one, two cards is worth two, three cards is worth three, five cards is worth four, or something like that. I think that's actually one of the, the ratios. And all the different beans are worth different things. So the rare beans will do that, and the the less rare beans, you'll need four cards for one, and eight cards for two, or whatever it happens to be. But the interesting thing with Bonanza, and why I think it makes the management of those resources intriguing, is that your hand never changes order. Your hand is always in the same order, and you must play the first card in your hand every turn. No choice. Now, if I have a field of black beans... And I, the first card in my hand is a black bean. That's fine. I play it out. But if I have a hand of green beans and the first, uh, or a field of green beans, sorry, and the first card in my hand is a black bean, I have to start a second field. But if that second field is blue beans, I'm done. I have to play a black bean and I've got nowhere to plant it, so I have to rip up one of those fields. So my carefully planned resource management of, oh, I have three more green beans coming in my hand, I just need to get to them, goes down the toilet when I have to rip that field up to plant the next thing. It speaks to a really weird variance on... This this makes more sense now that I'm hearing hearing you explain it. it it's because when you when you told we just jumped right in when you started talking about this. I was like I just I just let's do the show and explain then because this is bananas. Uh, it makes much more sense now because it's a weird pass on something we were talking about on Monday, which is resource management games really stress giving you knowledge of what's coming up. If you right. don't, if you know what's coming, you can plan, and mm-hmm. that's resource and that's efficiency is planning. And this this really stresses the forward planning portion of the game. Right. Now, it's been a while since I've played. Remind you, is there much player interaction? Uh, That you're trading. Right, Um, that's right. It's Catan-style player interaction, but Mm. it's actually vital in this game, because where in Catan you're just trying to make things a little bit better for yourself, if I can ditch that black bean and get to the three green beans that were further down in my hand, all of a sudden I have, especially if they're in a row, I now don't have to worry for the next few turns. God forbid someone's foolish enough to trade you a green bean. Yeah, right. And that trading allows you to manipulate those fields, and I don't necessarily even care if I have to rip that field up next turn because if i can trade out two green beans and plant them i may hit that point where i'm now getting four coins for uh for my green beans instead of three or two mm-hmm. and now i don't care if that field gets ripped up because it's reached maximum capacity and i want to start something new anyway it's just it i think it plays with that concept in a really interesting way and and to use that as a segue of like another game that plays with the onboard manipulation mm. is the other one you were talking about which was Mystic Veil. Yeah, oh yes. Which is I love this game. It's beautiful. Uh it it tackles something that to to mini rant carry off of uh, mini rant off of what I talked about last week and beating on Catan. Sure. Dominion is another great game that's just a little archaic and Mystic Veil does a great job of dealing with one of the big things of Dominion which is that in Dominion, the best thing you can do is have it uh, is thin your deck out as much as possible, so you right. can hit strong cards as many times as possible. 
Mystic Veil takes an interesting take at that by locking the stack of your deck. Right. Your deck can never get larger or never get smaller. Yeah. Which is a very elegant solution to thinning out your deck is always optimal. Yeah. What's interesting about Mystic Veil is that the game modifies... And basically, you're then left with, well, what's resource management? What's the purchasing? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a Dominion-style game, you modify your existing cards. Yeah. You have the same 20 cards, and instead of purchasing new cards, you add mods to the existing cards you have. Yeah. So it becomes a sequencing game, and, and you have to have a better average versus better individual hits. Well, and the description I give of it as well is Dominion crashed into Splendor and created mm. a game. And I think it also fixes some of the problems that you have with Splendor. Because even though you have that concept of here is here is everything that's available to you and there are clear optimal things, what's so interesting with uh, Mystic Veil is your cards have a top, a middle, and a bottom. And although there may be a completely optimal card there that you want to put into your deck, the card you want to attach it to already has something in that space. So if there's something printed on the middle and my card has something on the middle, I can't put the one over the top of the other, right? And so all of a sudden you may have an optimal card, but you may not be able to use it. And so it forces a little bit more lateral thinking than Splendor does, which is, I need that card. It is the best card out there for me. There's no point in me doing anything else right now. And another cool thing it does that a lot of resource managements don't manage in a good way is push your luck. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Ticket to Ride does a good job of it, but that's player known. Mm-hmm. In this game, it's it's your own odds manipulation. Yeah. That in the game, you get as much money as you choose to draw. Sure. And there's a chance that you can bust if you try if you try and draw too many cards. Yep. There is a negative where if you hit enough of them, you just lose your turn. Which is really painful when it happens. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> but the game does a great job of encouraging you to always go for it. Mm-hmm. There's always that bit of I like when you stop, you're like, okay, no, I'm I'm good, I'm good. Where the the ta- the the money is strong enough and the costs are low enough that hitting that one extra money actually does mean a lot. Well, and you also is... get those lovely cards that some somehow mitigate the really powerful ones you could buy that aren't as powerful, but they say ignore one of the bust cards that comes yeah. out. So all of a sudden you can push a little further. Yeah, and it's it's a much so more good. interesting give and take. Absolutely. Um, can I go now? I've been very patient. You have been very patient. I think, and I think this actually goes to to sort of describe what we're going for about as well as anything can. Uh, Jeff, Scythe. Scythe is one of the best games, in my opinion, that has ever been made. Because it does one of the things that we've been talking about today Mm -hmm. as being a core of a good resource management game extremely well. Okay. And then it does the other of the two things we've been talking this week about resource management even better. And the first is player interaction. Okay. Uh, yes. The first thing it does that's super good, just in a very, very brief way, is, because I want to talk about the other half of this much more, is Scythe has risk elements that allow you to beat on players who are getting too far ahead. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, it has a really rewarding political side to the game. Right. Where you negotiate, you basically make deals, all that. And it's all outside the game for the most part. Mm -hmm. You're not encouraged within the game like a Bene Gesserit, Insanity, in Dune (laughs) uh, type affair, but it encourages table talk, it encourages a political side, and the more risk military elements of the game allow you to have enough player interaction that you can affect other players really well. Right. So, So the second thing that Scythe does insanely well to make it such a cool game is 
if the other metric of a good resource management game is adding additional mechanics mm-hmm. to either hide the best optimal strategy or to create other means by which you interact in the game or other ways to be efficient, mm-hmm. Scythe is incredible because it has every game design element ever put in a board game ever. At least every tangible major design choice. For example, there are secret objectives in Scythe. Right. As we discussed, there are risk elements in Scythe. You have heroes who you can upgrade that go on adventures that tell stories. They have a moral choice system in the game around those stories. You fight for a central King of the Hill objective. And there are other resource management and trade mechanics to the game that allow you to access other resources, a full money management system, and a player popularity track that affects final scoring. It borders on being so overly complicated, there is no way anyone could wrap their mind around it, but it keeps every mechanic as boiled down simple as it possibly can, right. so that it teaches literally, here's the thing, this is what it does. Here's right. the thing, this is what it does. It elegantly combines them to create a very intricate game that doesn't feel overwhelming, which is in of itself a huge achievement. Right. But I think the thing it does that subtly is the most interesting thing of all is its very, very unique take on the resource management system. And I can see you smiling because this is the big thing you want to dive into. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's just such an interesting concept because you produce resources, right? So you're going around any other game. Okay, I have this forest tile. It produces wood. I'm going to produce wood for my action this turn. That wood does not belong to me. It sits on that territory, and as long as I control that territory, I can use that wood. But if I wander off somewhere else and you come in and sit on that territory, that wood's now yours until it gets used. And when it's used, it's taken off the board. But it's the, the, that fascinating thing of the resources are communal, merely tipping the balance by the person who controls that particular territory at that time. And it creates a crazy tension in the efficiency of the game. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be clear, Scythe is a whole lot of pageantry to hide a straight-up efficiency game. Sure. Scythe is, at its core, it is a straight-up efficiency Absolutely. game. Absolutely. And the more competent you get, the more the better you are at tripping other players up while focusing on your efficiency. So yeah. we, we have to be clear about that. But the fact that the resources are public creates an insane tension in the game of encouraging you to abandon whatever your current plan is, to go and steal that dude's stuff. Right. Because it will make you more efficient if you take that, but if you take that. Right. There's enough efficiency in the game, or sorry, enough variance in the game, that you could be punished heavily, either by losing a fight against that guy, or by exposing yourself to the banditry of the person sitting to your right instead of to your left. Right. And one of the things I've found about it as well, I've, I've had people say, yeah, you don't fight very often in this game. <laughs> you know, people talk about combat. The resources encourage that. Oh, and yeah. if you need that particular piece of wood to finish that upgrade that you desperately want to be able to give yourself this big advantage, going and beating down that guy over there who's just put wood on the board is a really good idea. There are also factions who, when played... The factions uh, in the game, for clarity, Scythe is a game that's set in an alternate... Uh, 1920s, mm-hmm. where you're fighting over Eastern Europe, and yep. all the factions involved have very different behaviors. Sure. This combined with different starting setups that you get randomly distributed at the start of the game, mm-hmm. they're all public, so it's that nice mix of variants with public information, means that all the factions behave very differently every single game. Yeah. But there are factions which, if you leave alone, undisturbed, they will win the game. Mm -hmm. And so often when I hear that from people saying, oh, well, there's not much fighting in the game, those are the people who don't like the game. 
Right. Because they feel like, oh, it's just, you know, it's a race to see who can do this thing the most. And that's because people have either been too scared to attack or not thought to attack. And one player's run away with the game because nobody attacked them. I keep hearing red player always wins because the red faction has a military advantage. But that's because no one fights back. Yes. Usually. And, well, also, out of fairness, given my love for the game... In the base game, in the first edition, there was a game balance issue with the Red Faction. This is also true. Which is fixed in the later printings and eroded in the second expansion. But you certainly could mitigate it a while, even in the first printing, by beating beating them up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's usually what the game should come down to, is the Red player running away and everyone beating on them. And then (laughs) in the ensuing, you know, when the dust settles, everyone picking up the pieces and trying to win. For sure. Well, I feel like we could probably do a game spotlight on Scythe and literally talk about nothing but Scythe. Yes, and please. still keep going. Can, can we please? Uh, Next not, week? Not right now. Okay. But maybe that's something that we will consider doing in the future. But for now, I think that's all we've got time for this week. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me once again. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you very much for listening to the Snakes Cast. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com in order to say hi, to ask any questions about the things that we're talking about, uh, or indeed anything to do with gaming. The Snakes Cast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the Snakes cast are those of the presenters and guests and nobody else's. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Mm-hmm.